Welcome to Church Unscripted. Hit the subscribe button below, the notification bell, or the like button. Yeah, the like button. Yeah, that one too. Yeah, all those. And uh, if you really, really like us, maybe you could watch us at 0.5x speed, right? No, no, we're not going to do that. So you can still watch it at 1.5x speed if you look below, and you can get through the podcast a lot quicker that way. But Today we have a topic that I feel like is something we all need to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a daily battle that we have. Um, Eric, I think you did a really good job on Sunday talking about pain, but basically not making it depressing. I mean, that's really what uh, I thought afterwards. Man. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Pain, but not depressing. So yeah. as we look at some of what happened Sunday, even in the service, David, what was kind of some of the responses that you saw? Yeah. To the sermon and Yeah, man. I I don't know. That was uh Sunday was powerful. Um I think um some of my favorite responses that I saw was people uh seeing other people hurting and stepping out of their seat and into another seat uh to pray over people or to just be present. Um seeing people step forward in obedience, seeing parents uh praying over f- their children. Um seeing spouses praying together, seeing students come forward. I mean, um, I don't know. It was just a, it, it was kind of cool to just be here and be able to, to look out and just see how the Holy Spirit was moving amongst all different types of people in different places. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was, it was real good. good. Well, and it, I, I didn't let out, if someone wasn't there Sunday, yeah. You know, what, why was that part of Sunday's worship experience? And I think, I think it comes back to you talked about how the Holy Spirit prays for us or intercedes for us or, or groans for us when we only have groans. Eric, can you kind of tell us what an intercessor is? Because that's a word I don't hear used often outside right. of church yeah. circles, let's say. Mm-hmm. And also, like, what does it mean to groan in prayer? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And I've never really thought about it uh, to that extent until I prepare for this message. But I think we have a general idea of what an intercessor is. Like we can define it, but I think there's fewer of us who have um, felt the need for an intercessor. And the, the, I likened an intercessor to an attorney who um, can argue your case, understand your pain, um, and then represent that to a judge who can actually change the nature of your situation, right? But um, I personally have never needed an attorney so while I understand what an attorney does, I've never felt the need for one. And I think that's the case with the Holy Spirit being our intercessor is we understand him as our intercessor in terms of what that means. But, but until you experience a pain that goes so deep and so wide and so broad that it goes beyond your words to explain it and to express what you need in it, that's when you really feel the need for an intercessor someone who can intervene and actually bear that burden for you, feel that pain that you feel and represent it to the one God who can actually change the nature of your situation. So um, I, I, I do believe though, that if, if you live, um, it's, it won't take too long into adulthood to begin to feel those kinds of pains that require an intercessor. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think there was a the few things I noticed, and that's the reason I, David, I asked mm. you about the experience on Sunday, mm-hmm. because people were actually 
interceding for each other. Yeah. Isn't that accurate? I mean, to yeah. say the experience. And so how, how maybe um, can we, well, let me put it this way. Sunday was a little bit more about getting out of the way, pointing to the Holy Spirit, yeah. moving in our midst. So how do we give space for that in our everyday routine? Let me put it that way. So like, how do we intercede for others? How do we pursue, uh, pursue the Holy Spirit daily? That's a good question. Well, I, th I think it's important that when you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, that you pray for them. Um, and oftentimes- Novel idea, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, and just because they might have run out of words to represent their pain, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have. Mm. Uh, and just because you, you have words to pray, it still can mean that you have a pain in your heart that you're groaning, wishing that God would step in and desperately fix a situation that is broken. And I think um, one of the best things that we as believers can do is when you're talking with somebody, either on the phone or in person, uh, don't say, hey, I'm gonna pray for you. Say, hey, let's just pray right now. And you might, you might be in the, in the milk aisle at Walmart, you know? And if you just take 30 seconds and pray over them, that can be a way that we as believers can, can intercede for each other. Um, and, and scripture asks us to do that. He says, you know, bear each other's burdens. Mm -hmm. um, and he calls us to intercede on other people's behalf. Well, and I think what you just said, it also provides accountability. I mean, mm -hmm. if I'm honest, I know there's some times where I've said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna pray for you. Mm. And do I set aside time specifically to do that? So mm. David, what have you done when it comes to that? Well, I, I've had to switch to praying in the moment because I found myself so many times I'd say, oh, I'm praying for you. Like, I'll, I'll rem you know, I'll remember you in my prayers. My family's praying for you. And you do, you just, you go on with life and you forget. And I, I think, you know, the heart behind that is pure. Like we want to, we want to pray for those people. And I think God, understands that heart but I think there's a, an important uh, move on our part to say I'm going to do that and so I've had to switch to being like hey it's okay I'll pray for you it's like no can I just pray for you right now mm -hmm. um, and that's really helped me um, one as somebody praying over someone rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to even know what to pray because sometimes people are just like I'm having a rough day and I need prayer I don't, I don't know what that means. It could mean, you know, you lost your job or you have a sickness or whatever. And so you just start praying and you rely on the Holy Spirit to give you words to encourage them in prayer. And that's actually honestly been some of the coolest times in my life is when I'm praying for someone and they're like, that's exactly what I needed. And I'm like, I had no idea what was going on in your life. Um, so that's, that's one way that I've, I've seen kind of the, the Holy Spirit as intercessor, even with within uh, praying for people and people praying for me. I, that's and powerful. asking God for words, I think, is something that like we don't think practically about enough. Sometimes we're like, I can pray, I can do this. Mm. Or maybe we've been in our faith for a number of years, mm. basically almost our whole life. And so we think, why would I need to ask the Holy Spirit for words? And, and I think... In some ways, if the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, he groans for us. You know, the passage you mentioned on Sunday was from Romans chapter eight. Right. Mm -hmm. And in Romans chapter eight, you talked about, uh, we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly wait our adoptions as sons. But then later it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Mm. And I think in some ways, mm. 
there's some hope there. And so, Eric, I, I know you shared a little bit on Sunday, but I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into that. Hey, it's what this podcast is I know, all about. I know. So let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> why, like, why can we have hope knowing that the Holy Spirit groans for us? Hmm. I mean, it, it actually says, it says here, groaning's too deep for words. Hmm. I mean, let's unpack that a that little ought, bit. That ought to give the believer uh, an incredible amount of hope because you are reminded of something I've never considered before. And then it goes on to say that, um, that he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit um, because the spirit intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. So I think often when we're in pain, when we say, why is this happening? We're not actually looking for an answer. Because giving the right answer, um, it, I don't think it actually takes any of the pain away. It doesn't. Well, and we might even know the so, answer. We might oh, just yeah. not want to accept the answer. But it doesn't help. It doesn't yeah. help. It doesn't right. redeem the situation in any way. But when we can trust that the Holy Spirit is actively bringing the will of God and his purposes into the situation, then ought to bring comfort. And you might never, ever know what those purposes are. And you might never know how the will of God is being applied to that situation. And so I think, I think the encouraging part is that if you can get to a point where you trust the Holy Spirit to do what he promised he's going to do, then, then you can, in a sense, stay um, ignorant or out of the know for your entire lifetime and just trust that he's working behind the scenes, behind your back uh, to do what um, he wants to do in the situation. And that's why, that's why the Holy Spirit can give you words to speak on behalf of somebody else. And that's happened so many times. But at the same time, you get the impression sometimes he just wants you to not say anything. Yeah. And I think that was the big problem with Job's friends. Mm. It's they were really, really good simply being a presence there, a non-anxious presence. And then they started to talk and everything fell apart. <laughs> and I think when you and I- Are you telling us not to talk? Is that- <clears throat> Not now, but maybe someday. Okay, okay, no, okay. okay. <laughs> I'll just turn my mic. We'll talk about that later on, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, but I think that's why the Holy Spirit, when we intercede for people, uh, it hmm. it's more often not simply a presence that brings calm and hope as opposed to words that gives answers. Mm. And sometimes when you're praying for somebody, my wife is really good at this, by the way, when she's praying for somebody, like she says she's going to, mm. um, she will feel compelled to text that person to follow up or call that person to follow up. And, and the conversation's not long. The texts are not like endless. It's simply, I just want to let you know that I'm thinking about you and, mm. and checking in on you. And I think that very act of being a presence is a way that we as believers can intercede on people's behalf and bring all kinds of encouragement. Mm, yeah, it's really meaningful. David, you got any? No, I was matter? I was just thinking of you. You mentioned the word hope, and um, I think that's what I was reminded of this weekend as you were talking about all the different groanings and the pain that we feel. I find it interesting that 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 section of scripture is kind of bookended with hope. So, like you have verse. Um, Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Um, and then later on in verse uh, 37 and 38, knowing all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angel, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm like, that's hope. Like in the midst of our pain, like the spirit is, is interceding for us because he knows the will of the father, which is the hope in Jesus. And it's kind of interesting. You almost see the Trinity at work there in that groaning. Um, 
I just thought that was kind of so, interesting. And, when the, really and when the Spirit yeah. intercedes, all parts of the Trinity are active in that. You know, right. It's mm-hmm. the will of God, the Father. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit interceding for us. And then it's Pointing the love the hope of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, it's the hope of Jesus right here. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, I, I love that last verse because it ties into everything you said Sunday. It says, we'll be able to, nothing, nothing, nothing mm. is going to separate us from mm. the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, isn't that the end goal? Mm. Oh, it has to be. Because I think that's one of the tactics that our enemy pits against us is convincing us that we have been separated from him. Um, and we just talked in, in staff meeting this morning about the ways that he lies to us to convince us, convince us of those kinds of things. But when we, when we remember that the Holy Spirit is actively keeping us tied to the heart of the Father, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden those lies begin to lose their power. Mm-hmm. And actually, as you were reading the end of chapter eight, I, I just glanced at chapter nine and I noticed <laughs> that Paul was actually describing the very kind of pain that we preached about for himself. He says, mm. I have great sorrow in verse two and unceasing anguish in my heart. Wow. I mean, that's the kind of pain that aspirin doesn't fix. And that's the kind of pain that a couple of nights of praying over mm. that doesn't just make it go away. That's mm. long lasting, perhaps an entire lifetime. Mm. And I, I have to imagine that at some point, Paul just ran out of words to say. He ran out of prayers to pray for that mm. church. And he simply had to trust the groaning of the Holy Spirit to kind of, in a sense, take over. Um, and deal with that. And Mm. I I just thought of something from this weekend that was, should be an encouragement to us at the moment where you run out of words and run out of prayers and run out of people to talk to, and you begin to groan, we tend to think that that groaning is the end of our hope. But according to this, it's not the end of our hope. It's the Mm. beginning of our redemption. Mm. Because I think, I think God waits to see how deep the groaning goes. Mm. And when there is no more hope left in you, his redemption kind of sweeps in mm. and redeems the situation in whatever way that looks like uh, so that his redemption perfectly satisfies that perfect emptiness mm. in you, which is why I don't think you can, you, I don't think you can fake the groaning. Mm. I think some people might've heard the message this weekend and said, all right, I got to start groaning about this and then God will do something. I don't think you yeah. can do that. Mm. Um, until you genuinely run out of words and run out of prayers and you are completely desperate, I don't think you'll genuinely start to groan. Well, um, and, that, and that desperation it. can come two ways though. When you say that, I think of people that are desperate because they still care, but there's also people that at that point they give up. Mm. And I feel like that's not what this is. We're not giving up in our mm. intercession. We're just saying, I don't have anything left, Lord. There, it's a, almost a surrender. A, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. There's a difference between giving up and surrender. Well, is there? I don't know. Oh yeah, I can. I I, I have to believe that. How would there not? <laughs> no, be? yeah. Giving yeah. up is like there is no hope, not even in Jesus, for anything yep. like this. Yep. Surrender is. I've got nothing in myself, but, but I know there's that. everything in Jesus yeah. that can take care of this. So, so how do we? How do we? Um, one of the questions that I I was thinking through is, if if we believe that uh, the Holy Spirit knows our needs in a groan, doesn't He know our needs before we groan? And why does he let us get to that place? Do you know what I'm saying? Like he he knows our hearts before we even. So so can I? I know that's a deep question, but I, I'm I was like thinking through that. I'm like, why why does why do we have to? Can I quote a famous author? See, that's what I think of when I hear do it. it. So like this is a paraphrase and misquote. So everyone's gonna like look and look this up and Google this. But C.S. Lewis talks about 
pain is something God, up while you're talking. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That's C.S. Lewis. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Yeah, sorry. It's good. Who did I? Did I say C.S. Lewis? I don't know. I think you said. I say C.S. Lewis. Lewis. Whatever. I don't know. Whoever. So, whatever. So, so pain Lewis. is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. But he right. talks about before that. He talks about he he speaks to us through our troubles. He whispers to us through our daily walk, mm. basically our daily life. Yeah. You know, if I'm contemporizing it, mm-hmm. but the reality is. I think in some ways is waking us up to the Spirit's power and the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're groaning. Yeah. And so the other part of that is, if you look in the Old Testament, there's a whole genre in the Old Testament of lament. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that lament, I mean, in the contemporary sense, you might call complaining. Yeah. I mean, right. people just saying like, God, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And I think lament is one stage before that groaning. That's what I was thinking about this weekend when you were talking. I'm yeah. like, okay, so the groaning is like to the point where I have nothing to lament. I mm-hmm. can't say anything or do anything. I can't complain anymore because God, you're not doing what I'm hoping you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, I, I, you know, and maybe I'm not mm-hmm. the person being who I hope to be. So mm-hmm. I think in some ways... David, to kind of like bounce off that a little bit yeah. is I think it's God's refining us. Mm-hmm. And actually when we have to groan, it shows that God is using us hmm. because we're at the end of ourselves. Hmm. And the end of yourself, I mean, to the world would say, I don't want to be at the end of myself, but in God's kingdom, that's a great place to be. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when you ask that question, mm-hmm. my mind went to a passage that I had to look up on my phone. It was, it's Hebrews 12. Mm. Um, and I think it gives something of a motivation as to why God allows us to get to a point where all we have left is groans. Mm. Um, and then he steps in his redemption. And I think it's related to the fact that he is a good father. He says this, uh, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. Mm. Um, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you Mm. because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. So he says, endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. And if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. And I think um, mm. there's this, this loving, it's God's love for us as his kids that uh, compels him to hold back mm. the redemption that we've been praying for for years, mm. perhaps. Mm. And he's waiting to that time because when he disciplines us, just like when we discipline our kids, mm. it is one more step closer to building the character inside them mm. that we hope that they would have when they become an adult. Yeah. And so, and so the longer the longer we pray for something, mm. and the more we groan about something, when that redemption comes, whatever that looks like. Mm. I think the other side of that is that we're going to look and feel and act mm. and think more like Jesus than we ever did before. Mm. I think that's God's yeah. ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, and so he uses the pain as, as hard as it is to bring his purpose, which ultimately is to make us like Jesus. And if he was not a loving father, he would just say, okay, I see your pain. I'll just take care of that right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's never ultimately healthy for kids yeah. if we take care of their pain right away. Well, yeah. and in... I've thought about this my whole life because you remember you talked about like some at some point in your adult life. Well, you know, when I was a child, I was dealing with having a chronically ill father. Okay. Mm. And so in dealing with that, I started to realize like, okay, I'm dealing with pain, whether it's emotional pain or like trying to deal with that. So why am I having this feeling? 
And I started realizing that pain was waking me up to the fact that one, I needed God. It doesn't feel good, right? Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. the word pain, no matter what kind of pain, you can tag whatever on the end of that, physical mm-hmm. pain, emotional pain, whatever pain, yeah. it doesn't feel good. And so I think in some way, what you're saying, Eric, even, is if you see that as something that is inflicted on you versus given to you as an opportunity to see Jesus more mm. yeah, or right. be more like Jesus, right. then mm. in that case, you'll actually grow instead of hmm. causing pain, like, why me? Yeah. I really, honestly, on Sunday, I thought a few times, I was like, you know, I feel like there's someone out there that's saying, why me, why me, why me? Hmm. And they may not realize that God's trying to wake them up to the, that the spirit is groaning on their behalf right now. And so that's really important. Hmm. I, I do think that there's something that was kind of skimmed over on Sunday. I thought about this a little bit. Um, I know many people that sometimes say something to the effect of like, I don't know how to pray. Hmm. Whether it's from insecurity yeah. or just exploring the faith the first time or shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I think what we're talking about, getting yeah. to that point of groaning, you have to take away that shame and guilt and whatever it is. Yeah. Or just wanting it to do it the right way. I'm using quotation marks because there's really no right way to pray, especially if it's just groaning, right? Sure. It's not even language. Sure. So how can the Holy Spirit speak for those people? Hmm. And should the encouragement for them to be, Holy Spirit, give me the words, like you talked about Sunday. So what, hmm. what do you guys have to say about that? I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Um, hmm. That's a good question. I think, um, I don't know if this answers your question, but this is what came to mind. So if it doesn't, you know, you can ask it again. Um, <laughs> just in a different way. Just in a different way. <laughs> but one of the things on Sunday that, that you shared um, at the end, um, you talked about how you coped with a situation. And I guess that's the thing that, I, that I'm drawn to is how do I cope? Like when I do experience pain, um, I may not know how to pray, but am I trying to substitute prayer for something else? Like in your case, you were working, you stayed back home, all those things. Um, and I think in that it is just a, a posture of, I don't know what to do. This just happened to me. This is a, this is a fleshly groaning. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, <laughs> I, I, on uh, video now, David, this yes, is like yes, permanently yes. on YouTube. <laughs> so, so we, we've had a bunch of basement issues, right? You guys are aware of that. Um, and just two weeks ago, my sump pump started failing in the middle of a massive monsoon. Like what in the world is happening? Okay. Oh, I, I know. Yeah. John was there. Yeah. <laughs> was there. But so I, I was angry. Like I left my house to go get a sump pump. Before Menard's closed, I was angry and I felt like I was at the end of my rope with this basement and mm-hmm. the things that are going on. And I just started, like, I literally had no words. And I'm just like, I can't handle this. That's all I said. I can't handle this in my car on my, on my way to Menard's. And, and I go in, I get the, I get the stuff or whatever. And somehow, I don't know how, cause I don't listen to the radio, but my car defaulted back to the radio. Normally it's like on the Bluetooth, whatever. And this song comes on and it's like, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I don't. But in that, like, I was, I, I was thinking about that on Sunday is like, how do I cope in situations where, 
you know, that's like a small thing, right? Like it's not anything major. It's not, um, you know, a big life altering experience, but even in there, like, how do I cope? And am I turning to prayer? And even when I feel angry, even when I don't know what to pray, even if I don't know how to pray, what, like, well, am I just surrendering? Well, David, that? and I do have to point something out because I know more about the story is God ended up providing. Absolutely. And your best friend is now Carlos. So yeah. Carlos, if you're out there, he's looking for you because he yeah. came and helped. Yeah. So. Yes. No, but I, I mean, it's just, I think that I would, I would encourage people who don't know what to pray just to have that posture. Like, don't, don't try to force some Christianese prayer. Just be well, you. And, like and God knows who you are. Like, God can handle all of you. Whether you're happy or you're sad or you're angry, he can handle all of you. And just be real. Like, I don't know what to pray. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that when, when I referenced uh, Acts chapter 7, yeah. where the author replays the story from the Old Testament when God used Moses to set his people free from Israel. I mentioned that they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And I began to wonder at what point did, their, did they run out of words mm. and all they had left was groaning. And I made the realization that, um, uh, that I, I, I wonder if over generations, they figured out some coping mechanism. Mm. And I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think there's a difference between coping uh, with our pain and then bringing the redemption of God into yeah. our pain. Yep. Um, and I think that after you run out of words, you might run to coping mechanisms, mm. which in my case, for the situation I talked about, I ran back to work. Yeah. Um, and that only ended up making the situation worse. Mm. And I think we find ways to cope with our pain that only end up being a numbing drug. Yeah. And if you have enough of those coping opportunities, you can numb the pain for years, perhaps, yeah. even generations. Uh, but I think eventually even those coping mechanisms you discover disappoint you. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when you turn to groaning. And I think that's, I think that's what the Holy Spirit was waiting for with Egypt. Mm -hmm. Uh, with the Israelites is that he was waiting for the people to not only run out of words, but run out of coping opportunities so that all they could do is just groan and that's it. Mm. Um, well, and, and that's, that's basically, I mean, you're delineating and say it's a coping mechanism, but I think both of them, both of what you described is a coping, like groaning it, is a coping it, yeah. mechanism. Mm -hmm. It's the sure. healthy one that's of the spirit. Yes, yes. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. so when you're talking about that, I think there's a lot of destructive coping mechanisms mm -hmm. in yeah. our society. Yes. And, and mm -hmm. things in excess or even like how we use our time. And I mean, you mentioned work. Um, a lot of people find their satisfaction and identity in work. Mm -hmm. And so over time, I think the Holy Spirit pushing us to that point of groaning. Like we shouldn't complain mm. because we have pain. Mm. We should basically be asking God, so what are you trying to do in this pain? Right. I mean, I, I, mm. I think of various times where I saw God use pain. You know, when I was a, mm. when I was a kid, there was one time my dad was hospitalized mm. and he's talking to a Muslim nurse and he's talking to the Muslim nurse and, and everything. And I wasn't there when this was happening, but I guess he was like, hey, you know, I'm going to talk to you about this and I promise I'll bring you a Bible if you read it. And so he had me go buy a Bible and go bring it to him. And I'm like thinking, he just gave his Muslim nurse a Bible. Maybe that's why he's in the hospital. That yeah. may be the one thing, witnessing mm. to her and whatever. And sometimes I think we we don't see the blessing that is there mm. or the thing that's happening yeah. as a result of our pain because we're so focused on our physical bodies mm. yeah. instead of everything else. Or, mm. or maybe we're avoiding mm -hmm. the pain. Maybe it's 
oh, I'm just going to veg this weekend and binge watch TV because I just don't want to think about whatever, whatever's mm -hmm. going on. Um, or maybe like, I mean, I think of recently, I, I've talked about this a little bit at church, but you know, I, I go into the ER with my son and the next morning we're at Riley's and find out he's got all these diseases and stuff. And I would tell you that I would say the first like 12 hours, I really didn't know what to pray because I really didn't know what he had. And I was really freaking out, you know, and I'm like, God, you just got to do something. I remember being on the transport down to Indianapolis from Fort Wayne. I'm thinking, God, what's going on? I've got three other kids. Where are they going to sleep? You know, like what's going on tonight? Um, and also realizing that God used that in such a dramatic way profoundly in my life, but my family's life and brought me here. And there's other things that happen as a result of that. But if I looked at that from the perspective of, I just need to cope in another way, mm. I think it actually pushes the Holy Spirit out of relationship with us. And so maybe that's the divider is, is, is your coping, mm. your groaning, moving you towards the spirit or is your... Mm hoping or your groaning moving you away because the groaning that you mentioned yeah. the Israelites I kept thinking of how much they complained yeah they yeah. I mean for 400 years yeah. like right. like they were just like <laughs> yeah. God take us out of here and you exactly. know like and everything mm. it's like well I'm not going to yet because mm. you're not ready sure sure mm. and that's why uh, one of the points that I made the take-home points was uh, when you have no more words um, make sure Jesus manages the pain because mm. you reminded me of that because if you allow the enemy to manage your pain for you, he will bring to you the best coping mechanisms that he can give to you. Mm. And it might be, you know what, you just, you just need another vacation. That's going to take care of the pain. Mm. And on the other side of the vacation, as fun as it might have been, and as fine as the vacation might have been to, to do, it, it did nothing to assuage that anguish, right? Or that anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, that's why it's, it's not the wisest use of our time to ask, where's the pain coming from? I think it's a better use of our time to ensure that Jesus is the one that's managing that pain yeah. so that the right coping mechanism is put in place. And that is groaning by trusting the spirit to bring the will of God into the scenario. Well, and you're, I was going to actually ask you about that too. Okay. So that's, that, that unpacked what I was actually going <laughs> to just ask you. So you jumped the gun, man. Yeah, what sorry. are you doing, man? <laughs> he read so, your script. So this I is, do. Yeah, that's right. Wait, this is unscripted. <laughs> I do have one more part that I think we all should comment on, but I, I thought about the last take home and you talked about gratitude. Mm -hmm. Well, one real quick, why did you choose gratitude? Why did you choose when you have no more words, basically choose gratitude? Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't, mm -hmm. you said a little bit more, but Why'd you say that? Why gratitude over uh, any yeah. other word? No, there, there was a mental map that, that brought me there. Okay. Uh, so through this series, some of the things that we have recognized, even on this podcast, is that there's a large percentage of our people that, that live with a recurring amount of anxiety. Mm. Uh, and and we, we all know people very personally to us that deal with anxiety on a regular basis, and it's debilitating on certain days. Mm. And certain things trigger it, and then it's just like the world is falling apart. Yeah. Um, and I, and when I thought of that, I realized that that probably, if, if we could identify some of the long-term, really deep soul-based pain mm. in our congregation, it's anxiety that came from a lot of different scenarios, but it's anxiety in itself. Mm. Um, and that brought me, reminded me of Philippians four, mm. um, where he says, um, wait, actually, where's it? Now you're, now you're pulling it up. Oh, no. So I thought I had it memorized. Apparently Philippians chapter. Well, Philippians chapter four, right? Yeah, it's Philippians four, 
Um, hang on. Four through seven, you want me to read it? Go ahead. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah, and I think the only surprising thing in that passage for most of us is the thankfulness, thankful part, mm. uh, where in our anxiety, again, wherever it came from, we're good at praying and petitioning. Yeah. That's praying over and over and over mm. again for it. What we seem to forget about is the opportunity to give thanks for it. Yeah. Not for the thing, but to give thanks to the God who is still good mm. in it. Yeah. Um, and I think if we can, in a sense, flip the coin and spend more mm. of the time being thankful and in reminding ourselves of what we're grateful for, mm. then that peace overwhelms the power of the pain mm. and can calm our anxious hearts. Um, and so I, I think one of the ways to do that is when that anxiety is screaming at you or whatever the pain is, when it's screaming at you, instead of the first thing uh, you do is just saying, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. Maybe what you do is you just replay in your mind uh, instances of how you have seen God's goodness in your life. Yeah. And you remind yourself, and then over a period of minutes, maybe it takes an hour or so, mm. um, th- the power of the pain begins to lose its potency. Mm. And, and your heart becomes more calm and you begin to remind yourself that God really is good. And that's a huge theme throughout the Old Testament is mm. remember, 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 because yeah. it's so easy for us to forget. Mm. And I, I think- I love that because it's, it's all about worship. Yeah. When it comes down to it, what you were saying right there, when you said, remember the Old Testament, that occurs more than any other word in the Old Testament. I just, I was like, I got to say something. Yeah. I got to, I'm going to interrupt now. Watch out. Yeah. But, but the, the other, mm. the other aspect that I think is, is kind of important is pain causes hurt. Right. And we've heard the phrase hurting people hurt people. Yeah. I think healed people heal people. Yeah. I agree. And so like, if you, if you want to be a catalyst it starts with gratitude. That's the reason I wanted to ask you about that because I think it starts by being a person of thankfulness and gratitude. And if you're a person of thankfulness and gratitude, you can bring that to other people's lives rather than being influenced by the opposite of that, which is the complaining, the the difficulty, the anxiety, you use that. And so I think in some ways we have a great opportunity in the Holy Spirit to to change people's lives in ways that we may not realize. Like we're pastors and we're sitting here at this table, but I think everything we've talked about today is something everyone can implement if they're a follower of Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's, that's, why, that's why I think we as believers have a unique ability to do that that the rest of the world doesn't. Because when you find yourself in a place where all you can do is groan, it, it's the natural part of ourselves says there's nothing to be grateful for. Um, but when you start to remember your gratitude mm. and express thankfulness to God, mm. that is not in any way coming out of yourself. That's coming surely, surely and only mm. out of faith. Mm. And so what God hears in the gratitude is not your words. What he hears is your faith. And that's what God loves mm. to respond to. Yeah. And I think that's what gives the Christian a unique power to withstand the onslaught of pain, mm. whether that's anxiety or something else, or something else that the rest of the world does not have. Mm. It's kind of like mm. our super secret power, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that's, that's something that if we can learn this, we not only can apply um, that power to ourselves, but we can pray that over other people. Mm. That's good.
that was like the perfect application there. But David, I, I do have a question for you because as I saw that as a part of the service, that was the last take home on Sunday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then we went into a worship set that was like yeah. three songs long response. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what part of our worship or interceding for others should be brought out of gratitude that we have that opportunity to intercede for others maybe. So mm. unpack that in a worship say, context. Say, say that again. So say it again. So like, like I looked at Sunday. Yep. The reason I'm trying to say all this is I looked at Sunday. Mm -hmm. Sermon, you end on gratitude. Mm -hmm. So I watched, I listened. I'm like, okay, he ends on gratitude. You come up. Mm -hmm. We're singing worship songs. How much of that worship mm. experience was actually influenced by gratitude? You expressed, mm. I'm, I'm trying to go full circle to what you first said. Mm -hmm. You're pretty grateful for what happened Sunday, yeah, right? absolutely. And it brought more gratefulness that mm -hmm. you were able to be a part of that. Yeah. We were able to be a part of that yeah. as a church. So how do we continue that culture of gratitude here at Brookside? Mm. That's a good question. Wow, that's really good. No um, pressure. Better yeah. Have a good answer on this one though. Man, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think, um, hmm, that's tough. Um, what comes to mind is, is I'll go back to the sermon, right? There was, there was a level of transparency and vulnerability on your part that led people to a place of, um, transparency and vulnerability in their own lives. And, and yep. some people felt pain, others felt gratitude because maybe they're on the other side of what you experienced or maybe they're starting to experience what you experienced. Um, and that gives us the transparency and vulnerability. Through that, then we are able to be, um, we're able to, to be ministered to, which then gives us gratitude for this body of believers that we, we sit with every Sunday. I mean, like, one one of the one of the pictures I see from Sunday is that there was someone sitting by themselves weeping and someone behind them saw that, stepped out of their seat, put an arm over them and prayed over them. I don't know if they knew each other or not, but there in that moment, I can assure you that whatever the pain that person was feeling, they had an overwhelming sense of gratitude that someone sat with them in it. And I think, I don't know, I think that's just a way of, of fostering gratitude in our congregation is just being vulnerable and open with one another. Um, because I think in other people's pain, we can see the faithfulness of God in our own pain in the past. And then it's just this cycle of over and over. And I, another thing is I just, I love how worship music, um, it, it often tends to repeat things. Um, one of the things I noticed on Sunday is I'm going to mess up the lyric now because uh, I'm going to try to say it. Uh, oh, I just want you, nothing else, nothing else. I just want you, nothing else, nothing else. We sang that over and over and over. And a lot of times repetition is annoying. Yeah. But I think there's a power in in repetition that that draws us into gratitude or draws us even into that like surrender. And um, I saw as we were singing that over and over and over, people begin, as you say it, then you start to believe it and you start to sing it. And, you, and it actually changes your mind. It changes your heart towards 
gratitude or towards worship. And um, yeah, I think there's just a lot at play there, but I think those are some of the things that I see as far as what happens Sunday. And I, I think you made a very good point. Transparency and vulnerability as we lead is really important. And I think as a church, when we see someone that's struggling, mm-hmm. I mean, if we see someone tearing up in a sermon or something, we should go and talk with them yeah. and pray with them or, mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. see how they're doing. Yeah. Um, we don't have to know someone mm-hmm. to minister to someone. Yeah. I, I hope everyone understands yeah. that that's watching. So yeah. I, I actually have the, it's, it's funny. I think, um, I don't know if you saw this, but, um, Heather came forward in the second service and was praying. Heather's my wife. Heather, Heather, your wife, was praying with people. How old is Evelyn? She is seven. She's seven. So at one point, Heather's praying for people and Evelyn like bolts out of the row. And I'm like, oh no, she's she's loose, you know? Like, I don't know. like what. <laughs> yeah. And she went and and laid hands on people too with Heather. And I thought that was just such a a beautiful picture of like, when you see somebody in pain, you just run. Like you, you don't, you don't know what it is, but you're just gonna like. She literally just darted right out the. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that. Like I think, like you know, scripture talks about faith like a child. Like I, I saw that and I was really encouraged. Like just her boldness to be able to say, like you know, part of it maybe she wanted to be with mom, but at the same time, like being there together, I think that was just that was really cool. Yeah, that is cool. You know, it's interesting. I'm remembering throughout the years of me being here at Brookside, how many times we had hoped and wished that an experience like that would come from the worship. Mm. Um, and then it, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we would walk away from those experiences somewhat disappointed thinking, you know, what did we do wrong? Yeah. Did we not create an environment that was conducive to that? Mm-hmm. I mean, was the Holy Spirit not moving? Yeah. And I think I've been frustrated with that in the past. And I don't know if we did anything different this time than we had in the past. I just think, I just think the Holy Spirit was hearing people in a genuine kind of way, maybe for the first time ever mm. grown. And he's like, all right, that's the kind of faith that I'm going to respond mm-hmm. to. And, and I think he just showed up, which, which is why I love the fact that when you ask the question, you know, how do, we, how do we help encourage this in the future? I think we have to be careful with that because if we try to brute force it, we're going to be disappointed. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And the Holy Spirit is not obligated to us in any kind of way. Yeah. But if we could tell you to come into worship mm. with that vulnerability and transparency as leadership mm. and we approach and we approach the throne of grace with with integrity yeah. and faithfulness and truth, mm. then then I think we we give the Holy Spirit as much of an invitation to do those kind of things as you can. Mm. And then I think he just shows up whenever he wants to. Mm. And yeah. um I, I think the core, I mean, the core of that is being obedient, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if we're obedient to what God has called us to be, I think the disappointment comes from when you're obedient, but yet you're expecting a response that God's not ready mm-hmm. to give. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. disappointment's out of our own saying, well, I've been obedient, God. Mm. I mean, like Jonah was even like that. He's like, I've been a good Jew. Why are you sending me to Nineveh? <laughs> and I'm running away. So- yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of times you can't manufacture what the Holy Spirit's doing. So when the Holy Spirit shows up, it's yeah. very clear it's it's he he <laughs> is there. The Spirit is yeah, there. Nice catch. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're getting better. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna get Brian back after a couple weeks ago. So if you're <laughs> you should, watching, you should. Yeah. So so I think that's what's so important is is realizing that as a, a Christian follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot control the spirit in any way. 
And so when the Holy Spirit is interceding and groaning on your behalf, Mm -hmm. you can't say, Holy Spirit, groan for me. Right. I mean, you can. That would would sound really weird. And I've never heard of anyone in scripture or anyone say anything like that. When I... Uh, when I look through or think through patterns of how the Holy Spirit shows up in unexpected ways, mm-hmm. I'm noticing some things, especially at the greatest reveal of the Holy Spirit ever, and that is Pentecost in mm-hmm. Acts chapter mm-hmm. two, right? Yeah. And the whole the disciples were not expecting him. Now I know Jesus said, wait for my, the gift, mm-hmm. but they had no idea what that was gonna look like or when the Holy Spirit was gonna show up. All they were doing is praying and worshiping and that's it. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit came. Hmm. They didn't ask for him. He just came. And then another hmm. instance, this Ethiopian eunuch that was traveling from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia, oh, yeah. hmm. um, he was trying to understand scripture and, it, and his, with as much integrity as he could understand it. And the Holy Spirit brought Philip over there and had him explain the gospel more and pointed him to Jesus. And so I think there's some patterns hmm. that the Holy Spirit is looking for then his sons become open invitations for him to do supernatural kind of things. Mm -hmm. And just from those two examples, it's diving into the integrity of the word and genuinely worshiping and praying Mm -hmm. in spirit and in truth. And that's like, he can do whatever he wants to at that point. Well, I don't know if we've like completely unpacked this to the depths we can go, but I think (laughs) this is basically all of our church unscripted this week, right? You guys? Yeah, I I think that's... I think we satisfied that. Don't forget to tell them about our Easter service. Oh, yeah, I know. We need to talk about that. That's what I was thinking about. So Easter this year at Brookside is going to be at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Invite your friends, families in your neighborhood, uh, your cousin, family members, whoever. Will there be kids? There will be kids programming in both services. So we're excited about that. Um, One of the things that I think is really important about Easter specifically is realizing why we're here. And so we also are going to do something on Good Friday as well. Um, And so we will be here on Good Friday, but we will also be here on Easter Sunday, 9 and 11. Um, One more thing I was forgetting. There's one more thing that I need to mention. And I think it is next week, Pastor Eric will not be with us because he's going to be in Israel. And So I'm I'm preaching this coming weekend. Yes, you're preaching this coming weekend, but you're not going to be with us for the podcast. Yeah. Right. So, hey, thank you for telling hundreds of people that I'm not going to be home. Thanks for doing so they can come and rob me. Appreciate that. Well, now I'm going to put a dog in your backyard. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. I didn't even think about that. That You know, that's a problem for mine. But now we are going to have potentially a guest with us. So um, down below in the comments, vote for who you want to guest on the podcast. Is that that what (laughs) we can do this week? All right. You may not get what you want. You may not get what you want. We'll see what happens. Yeah. See how much money they cost to Mm. bring them on the podcast, right? You know? I'm just kidding. Well, thank you for being with us with Church Unscripted, and we'll be with you next week.